Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week five, day five of our look through the New Testament, a book a day. We're at the book of Revelation today. So you've made it through a survey of the entire New Testament. As you turn to the book of Revelation, you realize pretty quickly that it's different from any other book in the New Testament. And because of those differences, I want to start by encouraging you to read the book of Revelation with two convictions. Conviction number one, God wants you to understand this book. He wouldn't give it to us if he didn't want us to understand it. And conviction number two, God wants you to understand this book in order to give you hope. The book of Revelation is the book of hope. Everything in it is written to give you hope, even in the most difficult of circumstances, to help you to realize that there is nothing that can take the hope that you've been given in Jesus Christ away from you. With that in mind, just a brief introduction to this book of Revelation. If you open to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, you're opening to the book of beginnings and endings, of creation and then fall. If you open to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you're opening to the book of endings and then beginnings, of destruction and then creation. The Bible starts with a creation and it ends with a new creation. The book of Revelation is a book not only about the future, it's a book about your future. Every one of us is mentioned in this book. At the end, we will all either be standing at the sea of glass, worshiping him, or at the great white throne being judged by him. And my conviction is that God wrote to help us to understand the future, not to keep us from understanding. And yet, we get a little dizzy when we start reading this book. Reading Revelation is like being dropped into a different world. I mean, you're reading through the New Testament, and in in the Gospels, Jesus heals the blind, and, and then in the letters, Paul is encouraging the churches. And in Revelation, you have a beast with seven heads and ten horns rising out of the sea. So we gotta we got to orient ourselves a little bit. To orient ourselves to this book of Revelation, first you have to understand the background of the book. It's a book that was recorded by John the Apostle, recorded because it was written by God. It's a revelation, not a dream. It's a message from an angel. The book of Revelation tells us how this book was given. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So these verses tell us God gave it to Jesus. Only my father knows the times Jesus said. Well, God gave it to Jesus. Jesus sent an angel and the angel delivered the message to John and John's delivering to us. And this book is a book with a guaranteed blessing. Blessed are those who read it. Now, the book of Revelation, as you think about the background, it's a book that is prophetic in message and apocalyptic in form. It's prophetic. It looks to the future, what God's going to do, how God's at work in this world, and it's apocalyptic. That's how it was written. It's a style, a type of writing. The the word apocalyptic, apocalypse, is to unveil or or to reveal. The, The best picture I know today of the apocalyptic writing in that day is the political cartoon. When you look at a political cartoon, you know what certain things mean. You see a donkey and you know that it means, yeah, the Democratic Party if you live in America. Even if you don't, you probably know that. Well, in that day, when they heard about a beast, they knew what it meant. These were familiar things to them. There are 300 symbols in the book of Revelation. Symbolism, we have to be careful that symbolism does not lead to bad interpretation. You have to be careful as you read through the book of Revelation that you apply the law of common sense. 
That's when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense seek no other sense. When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense seek no other sense. Sometimes people try to use the symbolism to fit with some pet theory that they have, and it doesn't even make sense with what's right there in the verse. With the symbols, some are explained. In chapter 12, verse 9, the dragon is Satan. It's explained. Some are understood from the Old Testament. There's over 300 references to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. You can't understand the book of Revelation without understanding the Old Testament. And some are not explained, but they're understood from the, from the context. The purpose of the book of Revelation is not confusion, but confidence. It shouldn't cause you to wonder. It should cause you to worship. So then why did God use all these symbols in this book? Well, three reasons. First, they hide the truth from enemies. This was a time of great persecution in the church, and God wanted to make sure that this book got out to the first people that needed to read it. Now, on our end, we can just go buy it at a bookstore. We don't have this problem. But in the first century, if he hadn't used the symbols, the book wouldn't have been allowed to get into the churches. God knew what he was doing. He needed the message to get out. A second reason for the symbols is not just the first century, but also now. They have a timeless nature. A beast is scary to all generations. So these symbols help us to see things in all generations. And finally, the symbols are used because they have emotional power. God wants us to feel, to sense with our hearts what's approaching with the end of time. This is not some intellectual book about what might happen at the end and how you need to figure out logically how it all fits into some plan, some chart. This is an emotional book. And we should be emotional about this because this world will not last, but heaven will last forever. And there's emotion about both of those. So the book of Revelation is a book about final things. The outline of the book of Revelation is in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. That verse says, write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. That's it. What you have seen, first part of the book, what is now, second part, and what will take place later. The things that you have seen, that's in chapter one. The things you have seen, that's Jesus. <laughs> that's Jesus. This book starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. That's where the hope is in the book of Revelation. So as we read about Jesus in chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. We get a different picture there of Jesus than in any of the Gospels. Listen to this picture. Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Now, we're not going to take time to go into the pictures, the meaning behind many of those pictures. I just want you to be overwhelmed by the power of those pictures. That's Jesus Christ. That's who we follow. And then he talks about in the second section, the things which are. Chapters two and three are about the seven churches. Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. These churches, some of them are commended and some of them, by God's grace, are sharply rebuked for the ways that they are living. As you read through the letters to the seven churches, they are just as relevant today as they were in the first century. 
We face all the same problems. We face all the same blessings in the church today, the things which are. And then he talks in the third section, chapters 4 to 22, about the things which shall be. Now, let's just walk through these chapters knowing that we're on this very quick tour through this magnificent mountain range of truth. This is like flying over the Rockies. Let me just be honest. There may be as many questions raised by what I say in the next few minutes as answers given. But if you feel like I'd like to learn more about that, then this tour will have been well worth it. This tour starts in chapter 4 with this invitation to come up here and the throne of God is described. So in this look to the future, it starts and it ends at the throne of God. God is in control. It looks like chaos to us at times. Through the next chapters of Revelation, it's going to look like chaos, but God has a plan and God's plan will prevail. It starts with the throne, it ends with the throne. And then as you walk through these chapters, you have in chapter 5 through chapter 8, the story of the final conflict, the seven seals. That there'll be this conflict on this earth, this battle between good and evil right up to the end. And then in chapter 8, verse 6 to 11, verse 19, you have the final destruction. That the conflict will result in the destruction of this earth, one third being destroyed. After that, there's these historic visions of the temple being opened, the dragon, Satan, and the woman in this battle, the beast, the sea, the earth, the lamb, and the witnesses, the visions of how God is at work even in these terrible days. And then God gets involved. Chapters 15 to 16, the final wrath, the seven bowls of God's wrath being poured out on this earth. And chapter 17 to 20, the final judgment of this earth. Chapter 20, verses 11 to 12. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. As you look through all that's happening, this final conflict and destruction and wrath and judgment, you think, why would God do that? Why wouldn't he just end this earth and take some to heaven and those who don't believe in him would be condemned to hell? Why wouldn't he just end things? You see in the book of Revelation that there'll be this great sorting out at the end. The world's going to fall apart. And that's going to cause some people to turn towards God, and it's going to cause others to turn against God. What's going to be sure at the end is no one's going to be sitting on the fence. Because of the dramatic nature of what's going to happen as this world falls apart, you're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to follow God, or am I going to be angry at God that he's taking away from me my world? It's his world, but some of us think it's ours. Sadly, many will turn against God even at the end because they love the world and not God, but not everyone. Many will also turn to God. And as they turn to God, the promise of Revelation 21 and 22 is what we all look forward to. Final celebration, eternal celebration. Let me read for you Revelation 22 verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. 
The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is the promise that we look forward to because of Jesus Christ. That tree of life that we saw in the garden at the beginning in the book of Genesis that they were banished from, cursed from eating of, now they're eating of it. The curse is gone. So what should our response be to the book of Revelation? It shouldn't be confusion. It shouldn't be to ignore the book. It should be hope. And that hope grows out of the way that John encouraged us to respond. Respond with worship. It's about God's throne. It's about the fact that God is in control. It's about the fact that nothing can happen in this world or to this world that changed the fact that God is on his throne and God is in control. And so John writes in Revelation 22, 9, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and the prophets and all of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And so our Father, we pause to do that. We worship you. We see what's happening in the daily of our lives. You see what's happening in the eternity of your plan. And so we can hope because no matter what happens, you're in control. No matter what happens, your promise will prevail. No matter what happens, the grace and forgiveness and life that you've given us in Jesus Christ, we are in that book of life, and we're going to enjoy your life for eternity. And so we look forward right now to that promise. Help us to live today based on the hope of that promise. Help us to love our family today. Help us to deal with difficult situations today. Help us to walk through the drudgery today. Help us to face a problem today, make a decision today based on the hope of that promise. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm glad you joined us for this survey through the New Testament. I hope you'll join us for the next book this next week as we continue to study in Drive Time Devotions. Or you can go to drivetimedevotions.com or download the app and through that study whatever book you want to study in the New Testament and many of the Old Testament books as well. I'm glad you love God's Word. And I'm grateful that God's word speaks to our hearts and lives. Mm